Answering Mormons Questions by Bill McKeever and Eric Johnson deals with 36 commonly asked questions by your LDS friends and neighbors. It's a great resource for Christians who want to share their faith with friends and loved ones. Be sure to pick up your copy today at your favorite Christian bookstore. Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. What is cafeteria Mormonism. Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry. And with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. The subject of cafeteria Mormonism is is really not new. That phrase has been around for really quite a while. But to give you an idea of what we're talking about today and why it's important to understand what this phenomenon really is, let me cite you a statement from 17th President Russell M. Nelson. This was in a conference message that he gave back in April of 2011, not that far back, but in the Ensign Magazine, and you can find this on page 34, this is what it cites Nelson as saying, teach of faith to keep all the commandments of God, knowing that they are given to bless his children and bring them joy. Warn them that they will encounter people who pick which commandments they will keep and ignore others that they choose to break. I call this the cafeteria approach to obedience. This practice of picking and choosing will not work. It will lead to misery. To prepare to meet God, one keeps all, and all is italicized, all of his commandments. It takes faith to obey them, and keeping his commandments will strengthen that faith. So here we find Russell M. Nelson, the 17th president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, using the word cafeteria, which is describing this phenomenon that apparently he sees being practiced in his church. So if this isn't really a positive thing, why is it that we see so many Latter-day Saints practicing cafeteria Mormonism? Now, this word cafeteria was also used by James E. Faust, who was a member of the First Presidency, And this is in a conference message that he gave in October of 2003. What did James E. Faust have to say, Eric? Revelations from the prophets of God are not like offerings at the cafeteria, some to be selected and others disregarded. And that's found in the Inside Magazine, November 2003, on page 22. Now, why are we bringing this up? Well, it's because recently Eric received an email from a student Why don't you give us a little explanation of this, Eric? Uh, This is the son of a friend that I taught with at Christian High School. This boy's name is Diego. He's a junior, and he happened to go to a conference and met a girl who claimed to be a Latter-day Saint from Utah. This is what he said to Eric. He said, in meeting this girl, he says, I have asked her questions such as if she believed, if she was following all of God's laws to enter the celestial heaven— 
but she didn't really answer if she believed one had to follow all the laws. Now, I thought that answer was a bit, well, I guess I could say unique in light of a lot of the experiences that we've had on the streets, because usually when you talk about the requirement of keeping commandments in order to receive celestial exaltation in Mormonism, they don't seem to deny it. They will admit that you must keep commandments, and if you were to ask them, well, how many commandments must you keep, they usually will say all of them. And if you follow up with another question saying, well, how often must you keep all of them, and they will say all of the time. Now, it could be that this young lady probably realizes that to come out and say you must keep all of the commandments all of the time may have made her vulnerable to this young man's next questions. Because as I read his email to you, Eric, this is not, in my opinion, your average teenager. It sounds like this young man has done a little bit of homework, and he knows basically what needs to be said in a conversation with a Latter-day Saint. I appreciate that he goes right to the heart of the matter, wanting to know if this young lady is qualified according to her church's own standards. He's not going out into the historical aspects that she might not know about and may think he's exaggerating, but he's going right to to her situation as it is right now in light of eternity. I appreciate Diego's going out and and discussing the very important issues with a person who claims to be a Latter-day Saint. I think if a high school junior can do this, then anybody can. Now, he wrote, and he's a little confused, because all the things that he understands about Mormonism, she's practically denying a lot of those things. And so that's why he's writing me. He wants clarification. How do I handle this? But when I look at his his email for—I mean, he's a sharp boy, and for him to be able to write what he did, I think he was along the right path. But how many of our listeners, Bill, are in the same kind of situation, talking to somebody like this young woman who say that I just have to do what I want to do, and I'm going to believe what I want to believe, and they do this cafeteria picking and choosing? I think this is the danger, and this can really throw a person off who's trying to successfully evangelize. How do you evangelize somebody who's saying, well— I don't know if I have to keep all the laws of God in order to get to the celestial kingdom. That's what we're going to discuss now. And as you go through the rest of his his uh, email, you're going to see that she's denying some pretty important principles. And I can, I can sense the frustration in this email that he has. He's trying to have an intelligent conversation with this Latter-day Saint, and he comes to the table not completely ignorant of what Mormons are supposed to believe or what the LDS Church actually teaches. So to be rebuffed in such a way can be not only very frustrating, it can be very confusing. Like, well, what did I read that was seemed to be incorrect? If this person's a member, you would think they would know more than perhaps I would not being a member. So you get a little intimidated by things like this. And, and this is where it can be very frustrating and very confusing. Well, since the first topic is dealing with celestial exaltation and the requirements in order to get into the celestial heaven, as he says here, we need to go to the Doctrine and Covenants and find out specifically what does the LDS Church officially teach about celestial exaltation and or the three degrees of glory. And you find the answer for that in Doctrine and Covenants, section 88. 
starting with verse 22. For he who is not able to abide the law of a celestial kingdom cannot abide a celestial glory. And he who cannot abide the law of a terrestrial kingdom cannot abide a terrestrial glory. And he who cannot abide the law of a telestial kingdom cannot abide a telestial glory. Therefore, he is not meet for a kingdom of glory. Therefore, he must abide a kingdom which is not a kingdom of glory. So it seems very clear from what we read here that there are certain things that an individual must do, and we know also they must do this during what they call their mortal probation. If they live a certain standard, let's say they are keeping celestial law, they can have the hope of entering the celestial kingdom. What is celestial law? Well, John Taylor, the third president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, made this comment on February 20th, 1884. You can find this in the Journal of Discourses, volume 26, page 350. He said, again, we ask, what is this celestial law? The celestial law above referred to is an absolute submission and obedience to the law of God. Let me repeat that. It is absolute submission and obedience to the law of God. Now, that statement there, that definition, if you will, is not too far off from other definitions that I've heard LDS leaders give. And you would think that if celestial law is necessary in order to get into the celestial kingdom, what are the odds, you think, of that somehow not being a requirement to get into the celestial kingdom at some time down the road. Because I know there are probably some Latter-day Saints who are thinking, oh, but Bill, that's 1884. Really? You are going to try and argue that the requirements to get into the celestial kingdom have changed since 1884? And if so, please establish your case by providing evidence that shows that that is not what the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is teaching today. If you do not keep celestial law, you do not enter the celestial kingdom. Let me give you a couple other quotes. This one from 4th President Wilford Woodruff. He said, if you and I ever get into the celestial kingdom, we have got to keep the law of that kingdom. Show me the law that a man keeps, and I will tell you where he is going. And that's found in the Latter-day Saints Millennial Star, volume 51, page 596, from July 29th, 1889. This is why, Eric, when I'm on the streets and I'm having a conversation with a Latter-day Saint, I like to ask them, well, are you keeping celestial law? I mean, I'm going to be blunt. I mean, if that's what you're hoping to attain, this is what you must be doing. It's it's kind of interesting, though. Many times when I ask that question, you'd be surprised how many Latter-day Saints give me a blank look like, what is that? They don't even know what celestial law is. Now, you would think if you're supposed to keep it, that you should at least know what it is. If you don't know what it is, how can you know you're actually keeping it? So you can understand the fact that we have a lot of Latter-day Saints not being in complete understanding of their own religious faith. Now imagine you're talking to someone like that. Are you going to get a good, rounded understanding of the LDS faith by an individual who doesn't seem to understand it themselves? I remember having a conversation with a gentleman years ago who was upset that I was going to be speaking on the subject of Mormonism at a a Christian church in the area where he lived, and he thought that someone like himself should be teaching that class. 
But as I had a conversation with this man who was complaining to me on the phone, it became readily apparent he did not even know his own doctrines. I was bringing up things and I was establishing it by citing the references and quoting the statement, and he was completely oblivious to a lot of the things that I was saying to him. And I tried to remind him, I said, this is why it doesn't help us as New Testament Christians to understand your faith, because when we talk to people like you, it seems you don't really understand your own faith. Now, I understand in Christianity, we see the same problem. I'm not saying that we're better than they are in that area, because we certainly are not. But I think if we're going to understand completely what the Latter-day Saint believes, we need to establish a framework here by which we're going to carry this discussion. Let me give you one more quote from 10th President Joseph Fielding Smith. And this was from a general conference, April 1948, Conference Reports, page 136. He said, the question is frequently asked, can we not be saved without going through all these ordinances, etc.? I would answer, no, not the fullness of salvation. Jesus said, there are many mansions in my Father's house, and I will go and prepare a place for you. A house your name should have been translated kingdom, and any person who is exalted to the highest mansion has to abide a celestial law and the whole law too. I don't think there's any way you can misunderstand what Joseph Fielding Smith was saying on that. And in tomorrow's show, we're going to continue looking at this email that Eric received from this young man and the frustration that he had in talking to an LDS acquaintance. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.